This is Anish Chohan and this is Equilibrium Security. It's time to tackle your biggest cyber security challenges head on. Hello and welcome to our latest episode of our podcast. This time we are, as you can see, we're doing a video version of it. Um, but nonetheless, we do always have a guest speaker and this time is no different. We are joined by John Begley, who is Group CISO of a global travel retailer. Hello, John. Hi, Mish. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here. So we make no assumptions on this podcast. So just for those that don't know, what's a CISO? Yeah, it's a good question. So it's, uh, it stands for Chief Information Security Officer. So my role on a daily basis is to make sure that the business is operating safely and securely from a technical perspective, yeah. um, but also it strays into the realms of physical security as well. So a lot of our, you know, your access into buildings now is physical security, um, is, is digitally controlled, I should say. Mm-hmm. So that comes into the realm, but also making sure our data is secure, making sure our servers, applications, and it's in the end goal, both safe for our employees and customers. How did you, um, how did you find yourself in this role? How did you get to become a, uh, a CISO of such a large organization? Yeah, so it's, I, I guess it's an interesting question. CISOs come from all different walks of life, some mm. from uh, a chief technology officer into the business, probably some from different walks of uh, finance or business development, etc. Mine was from instant response. Okay. So prominently what CISOs don't want to find themselves in, you know, sure. in, a, in large incidents. That's where my career really started and my, my passion for this this industry really, I guess, was initiated, was this urge to help customers in times of crisis. Yeah. And it started being really technical. So yeah. hands-on, bits in the bytes, analysis, et cetera. And then throughout the years, it kind of transitioned from being hands-on to helping clients understand what the breach means to their business. Yeah. And then that developed into a trusted advisor role, being a virtual CISO for a number of organizations. Yeah. and then kind of transition to the chief information security officer that's today. Okay, brilliant. So you mentioned incident response. That's um, that's an interesting route to be coming into it. How did you find the skills that you've picked up? How have they prepared you for being this, in this role? They've prepared me quite well, actually. It's a really good question. I've never thought of it that way to how my early career has kind of set me up for this. But I think it's, we spend quite a lot of our time with stakeholder management, I guess. Mm-hmm. So taking something that's really technical, like mm-hmm. we've had a type of malware deployed on the system or you know an email that's left the, the organization from a technical control, translating that to a reason that the business understands. And the, so I think that happens quite a, a pace when you're at an incident because you have to yeah. constantly picking up little tidbits of information that's things like, you know, a, a server has been impacted by ransomware or this server's been taken offline and compromised and you have to articulate the technical this is a windows server 2008 running mysql etc and you have to translate that very technical knowledge into something that the business can understand say actually anish what's just happened is your whole finance system that your business is run on has just been encrypted by the business therefore you can't take payments you can't send invoices so throughout the whole career i've done that but it's just been probably different stakeholders and different ways of saying it i think throughout the throughout my career so it's prepared me quite well i'd say okay and you mentioned technology like cybersecurity is um a lucrative industry and so there's lots of lots of technology lots of technology companies that claim to be able to resolve an issue resolve uh, you know and an incident response i think is one of them 
what kind of part does technology play in being able to respond to an incident or the whole incident response thing? Yeah, it's, I mean, the fact you say incident response thing, it does, <laughs> it does almost seem like this bit of a, a mythical world that no one really wants to get into. Once most customers get into that, that mindset or businesses, they never want to forget it again. And they don't want to be in the position where, you know, they can't trade or they're mm-hmm. having to have really difficult conversations with the ICO, so the Information Commissioner's Office, yeah. DWI, Department of Water Inspectors. There's mm-hmm. lots of regulators that you don't realize have to be informed when you have an incident. Um, but the technology part of it, I think, is what would help you mitigate it. In, okay. it, in its first instance, so you sure. you don't you don't want to shy the business away from that incidents never happen because yep. that mantra is just going to get you nowhere because they yeah. will always happen. Yeah, but it's how you how you highlight the fact that small incidents happen every day. Yeah, and we're stopping them at the door or the really early on in the kill chain, mm-hmm. so it's not materializing into that really big incident that's like ransomware of ten thousand devices. Sure. It's just one person in HR's mm-hmm. clicked on a phishing email. Yeah, you know, and you've isolated at that that at, at, at that point. Yeah, so I guess it's like people you you use the term incident response, and people think exactly what you said: big ransomware attack, whole company's yeah. offline. So the technology plays a part in helping to mitigate that. But I think you touched on the fact that there's more to it than that. So you know, what other components are there really beyond the technology? I think there's three main core components of it. You've got the technology being the bit that will give you the insight into the business. Mm-hmm. So whether that's from an email perspective, so yeah. being able to see emails that are transiting your the boundary of your business or yeah. internally and the kind of data they contain. Mm-hmm. So that's one yeah. way. So that's just a pure techno- technological insight into the business that technology will give you. What you then need to say, and let's say, for instance, the business has, or the technology has detected that Anish has sent a, pay, a, a national insurance number or 12 national insurance numbers mm. outside the business. Yeah. So there's an, a, there's an email with 12 attachments, mm-hmm. all of which contain a national insurance number. Okay. That's an alert. You need a, a person to be able to in, interpret that. So if, if someone looks at it and goes, well, actually, Anish has just sent 12 months worth of pay slips outside the business, yeah. that's someone interpreting it. And then you need the process which follows that. So sure. the, the process is then saying, well, the technology's detected it. Mm-hmm. We then, the process is, let's go check with Anish to say, Anish, why have you sent 12 pay slips externally? And you may come back and say, well, John, that's because I want to keep my pay slips at home for my personal records, for instance. So it's those core three elements yeah. that will stop you from getting, an, I guess, an incident in the first in the first instance. You say the people, the process, and the technology. So it's almost like the technology by itself doesn't have any context. A person by themselves can't review hundreds of thousands of yeah uh you know logs and events um and then the the process is kind of kind of pins it together i don't want to put words in your mouth no, here, but that, <laughs> exactly yeah. that. that's exactly and, and that goes for any tool would be mm. whether it's a something that's running on your endpoint so it's a new application that's installed etc yeah whether it's for a firewall you know all of these there's lots of buzzwords i guess of yeah. tooling that you could throw at a solution sure but Unless you've got the the people or the technical with the technical knowledge to drive that technology and the process, yeah, you're just as weak as you know. You can't survive one without the other. No, and no. and similarly, if you put too much emphasis in one of those key areas, that's where you really can fall vulnerable. So, yeah. for instance, if you always go to one specific individual, 
for an answer mm-hmm. and they're they're on holiday or they sure. they leave the business that that whole process yeah. falls down and the same with technology if you're so dependent on your endpoint detections and you're not taking into consideration firewall or maybe office 365 mm-hmm. you've got gaps so yeah Okay, great. So, so going back to the technology for a moment, what what types of alerts uh, you know, could be generated? What types of alerts are generated by by some sort of technology? I mean, you could you could generate it on anything these days. Yeah. You know, you've got it from, as I think we already touched on, emails being sent in out. Mm-hmm. If you're a Microsoft house, you've got SharePoint, Teams. You've got this whole ecosystem yeah. that you can have alerts on around data itself yeah. and where yeah. data sits in the environment. If you think of it from a I guess a more cyber protected, what people typically think of cybersecurity is mm. something that is on an endpoint. You've got your traditional antivirus or yeah. endpoint detection response tooling as well. Uh, next generation firewalls. It's, I mean, it's, so I guess, I guess if the data's there, any alert could be generated. It? It's, it's, I guess it's what's of, of interest to you as a business, so your organization. So what might be relevant to one company might not necessarily be, be relevant to another, and, you know, and obviously vice versa. And I think yeah. that's, that's an interesting point as well. So make sure your business priorities mm-hmm. align back to where you're investing in your technology, where you're investing in your people and process. Yeah. Because you know, if you take a legal or a, a law firm, for instance, mm-hmm. their data is going to be at the, the pinnacle of sure. their importance for yeah, them. Yeah. Whereas there may be other businesses where data is not as as prevalent and maybe it's uptime and availability that's yeah. you know if take a website for example mm-hmm. you're not going to be worried about if someone starts stealing a load of content from your blog mm. that's a publicly available website because it's sure. it's for the taking anyway way. yeah but if someone took your website offline mm. that's where you're going to be more concerned around sure. so it, it, it's different business priorities it's having the risk right yeah sure on the subject of there being, you know, incidents and things that concern some businesses, um, when we say incident response, when we say an incident, we think about the big headline events that hit the news. So if, if, if people, process and technology are the three kind of pillars to this, really, if you want to call it that, why are these incidents still happening? You know, is it, is it because it's been, are these businesses being led by technology or are they too reliant on people? Or what, what, where do you feel that, that, the big headline events are, are going are going wrong. It's probably what you just said, where mm. one of those, for some reason, has has not worked, or they haven't communicated, or they haven't really clicked together. You need all yeah. three to be able to successfully contain an incident. Mm. You need those three things. I can't tell you how many organisations I went in, you know, in when I was in the incident response mm-hmm. teams, where there was an alert that was sat in a console that no one actioned you know there was mm. well, there's a bit of suspicious activity where someone's moving around the mm. the environment in an unauthorized manner yeah. but they just didn't have the process to say come to come someone go and check that out because yeah. that was and that was the start of you know your ransomware it's where how a lot of ransomware will happen right yeah. which is quite something, prevalent something happens and undetected yeah yeah so obviously only those big events make the news but like you said you touched on before the fact that an incident could be anything yeah. it could be someone sending an email those those incidents obviously don't make the news um, because they're not interesting stories, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I guess for the same token, something needs to go around that process, like well, like what you've just touched on, the fact that something needs to underpin the fact that something wasn't followed. So how would you recommend people deal with the smaller incidents or handle you know, the smaller incidents to prevent something turning into something much bigger? I think 
socialising them. So no matter, so no matter how big your or small your incident is, socialising them with the right, the relevant business stakeholders. So I'm very fortunate in my current position where I have really good oversight from the leadership team. Right. But it's making sure those that an incident is always going to happen. It's mm. just the size of the incident. Mm. So what you don't want to do is be in a position where you, you all the little small incidents that go on on a daily basis. Yeah. You're not raising those, so it's not a norm. It's not normality that incidents happen. So, for instance, the the payslip scenario, yeah, that could material change to quite a significant incident if you've sent one of your colleagues payslips accidentally, etc. Yeah. yeah. So the more you socialise and say, well, actually, we've had an incident today. We've had ten incidents that are associated with, you know, DLP, data mm -hmm. loss prevention. Yeah. We've had five that are in, in that were associated with endpoint devices etc yeah. and here's how we here's how timely we close these incidents out mm -hmm. to give the the execs and stakeholders that this is still going on in our environment it's not we haven't just thrown a load of money at a tool and a team and the whole problem's gone, gone away, away. Yeah. we're just reducing the time that it takes to respond to these incidents so you don't yeah. have and the impact yeah. so you don't have a massive ransomware incident that takes your whole system offline or mm. you have someone else will take terabytes of data, yeah. you just have uh, one person who clicked on a phishing email and we, we redacted that email or quarantined it, et cetera. Yeah. You know, it's these isolated yeah, incidents. Yeah. And... Okay. It sounds like in your current position, you're supported quite well with, you know, key stakeholders. How important is... Um, is communication like we always you know we always say in lots of lots of industries and in lots of areas of of cybersecurity that communication is really important how key is it in incident response incident response it's 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 essential mm. it's probably the only way you can get through a, an incident yeah and although the conversations are sometimes really hard difficult to have mm -hmm. you know tell uh, a senior executive that or anyone in the business that we've oh sorry we've just had someone exfiltrate gigabytes or terabytes yeah. of data from our environment or sorry a whole website where we generate our businesses offline our factory they're really difficult conversations mm. to have it's easy but to bury your head in the sand i it imagine is. isn't it yeah. but the earlier you have those conversations yeah. the better mm -hmm. because what you'll typically find is the the executive committee will feel really upset if you don't have those conversations early on yeah because uh, they'll just want to feel like well why didn't you tell me? Because I could have helped you. I could have yeah. given you more resource. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What you, if if we'd have bought this tool for X amount of pounds or dollars, mm -hmm. it would have helped you, and we've got the the business back online faster. So the difficult conversations to have, but my yeah. advice would always be to to socialise them sooner. The only challenge with that is if you're maybe new to a business or starting to socialise these for the first time, mm -hmm. you will start to get challenged. You say, well. You know, even if it's a minute things, Anish has sent some, and I keep going back to this, but it's a really practical example of the payslips leaving the environment. Mm -hmm. Anish did that. Our process detected it. We spoke to Anish and we closed that incident down mm -hmm. in 45 minutes. Yeah. It's like, at first, they might be startled, say, well, why are you telling me this information? And you have to get them on the journey that yeah. I'm just informing you and kind of build that trust and rapport yeah, yeah. with the, the execs. and. Uh, and almost not to give them this belief that nothing ever happens and then suddenly this huge thing has happened. Yeah. Okay, so John, like we've talked a lot about incident response. How do you stop it from happening? Is there a, is there a way in which we can, um, businesses can learn from past incidents or, you know, or, or you know, well, I won't put words in your mouth, but how do, we, <laughs> how do we stop it from happening? 
So incident response, I guess the name is in the title somewhat. You could yeah. you could have a plan yeah. on how you're going to respond to an incident. <laughs> respond <laughs> yeah. respond to an incident, and that typically before you before you get into the plan, I think that's kind of the nature of your question is how. Mm. We don't want to get to the point where we have to invoke an incident. What yeah. what do we do before that? And I think the playbooks are key. You know, there's mm. a lot of tech, new technologies and buzzwords, seem, source, so yeah, uh, security orchestration, automation, mm-hmm. yeah. and response. There's lots of these, and a lot of that is automating and bringing technology in now mm-hmm. to automate playbooks. And that's still overlooking the people and the process element, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be this all singing or dancing system or saw platform. It could just be a playbook that is, once we get alert A from mm-hmm. this, yeah. whether it's an EDR tool, whether it's your firewalls, whatever it may be, once mm-hmm. we get alert A, what do we do then to make sure that that's closed and the risk is reduced to our business? So whether that is, the payslip example again, mm-hmm. whether that is, we get this alert, we then contact the user, say, can you please confirm the business use for you sending this information outside the business mm-hmm. and then if the user comes back and says yes this was me and the, the response is valid then you close it you close the incident if not you then start to you maybe invoke a major incident and you go to your incident response plan um and then that's where you you start to bring in some of the key stakeholders maybe a data protection officer right. inform more people in the business that are, need to be made aware um and i think the most important thing which is commonly overlooked is whatever lessons you learn feed them back into both the playbooks and the plan so that next time you either get a a prompt response from the user or the closure of the ticket and that you can hopefully close the internet out before it gets to you know escalate yeah yeah that that you've touched on a point which i was going to ask you actually how often should something like that if you have a plan if you have a documented process how often should you update this because invariably what happens is these processes are written and they're supposed to be reviewed on an annual basis and then four weeks before we're supposed to be reviewed, there's a lot of activity around getting, getting it updated. How often, you know, sh- should they be reviewed like on an ongoing basis constantly or? So, so probably not reviewed, mm-hmm. uh, maybe reviewed annually. Updated, but yeah. I know I know for, you know, we actually updated the instrument response plan for the, the business mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. So because we'd identified that actually there's a, there's a bit of a, gap in this process is not quite clear on how we escalate this in this type of incident right. um so we updated it on the fly and that's that's how they should be they should be a, a living breathing document if yeah. you've just created it for the purpose of an audit or the purpose mm-hmm. of some business use case yeah. and in the, the event of an incident you you dust it off yeah. and it's written in 2006 chances are it's going to be irrelevant and well, not yeah. helpful yeah. no you know on-prem exchange probably was still a th- yeah. most of it's moved to cloud now you know it's just and waste and people the probably that are in there have moved on yeah so the, the sooner you can up, update that um the better really so the cybersecurity landscape is changing constantly yeah. a big factor that's 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 uh you know propelling that 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 change is ai how do you see that changing the the field of incident response i think it works in our favor as defenders as much as it lends an upper hand to the adversaries sure. as well. Yeah. So you know, there's a lot of talk really early on that they can use this to help generate phishing emails and these marketing emails yeah. that are more, people are more susceptible to click sure. on. And they can even use it. And you know, anyone who's on the attacking side, you know, the, the blue team side, mm-hmm. 
have a have a play with it and see what if you wanted to be mal- malicious in it and create marketing material or phishing campaigns to get an insight into what what Absolutely, the threat is. Yeah. Yeah. So you can do that, and I think so we can use it as a tool to try and understand, stay one step ahead of them. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of you know vendors out there now that are also inc- incorporating AI into their own platforms and own technologies. Yeah. You know, I think it's still very early days. Of course. But yeah. Us on the blue team. Yeah. And just harness that just as much as the the red team out there and the, okay. the adversaries. Okay, brilliant. So, John, so we've talked about quite a lot here. You know, there's probably a lot to digest. What would you say are the the key takeaways? You know, how does a business prepare themselves for an incident? What should they What should they be doing if they're looking at you know watching this or listening to this and thinking, ah, oh, actually, I'm not sure if I'm in I'm in good shape here. Running through scenarios, mm. whether it's just there's there's this concept called tabletop exercises. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of businesses that may already be familiar with this but this is really getting those whether it's a playbook whether it's an incident response plan whatever Mm. it may be you're sitting down with different business stakeholders so initially you're maybe your it team your security team and actually walking through okay if this hypothetical incident happened Mm. how would how would we respond would we be able to do it and i think that can also tease out elements that you need to add into your incident response plan that Mm -hmm. you potentially overlooked yeah so that's that's one I've said it before, you know, people, process, and tech, making mm. sure you've got that really nailed down. And I think also understanding your unknowns is just as important as understanding what you know about the business. So, yeah. for instance, if you said, I've got a really high degree of confidence that everything in all my laptops are covered with uh, antivirus solution or yeah. et cetera, yeah. but my servers, I'm not sure whether we've got our mm. antivirus coverage there or EDR, whatever it may be. Yeah. That's that's a really it's not a good place to be in because you want the coverage, but at least yeah. you know that actually we've got a, a vulnerability here. So therefore you may try to mitigate it, whether it's with additional network controls, mm-hmm. isolation, etc. But I think understanding your unknowns mm-hmm. and your uncertainties is just as important about the, the hard facts that you know you've got with confidence. Okay. Brilliant, John. That's been really useful. I hope you found it interesting having this conversation with me as well. And uh, yeah, thanks very much for, uh, for joining us on our first video podcast and uh, tune in for the next one. Thank you for listening. Each episode, we're going to have industry experts sitting in our cyber hot seat, thrashing out your burning security issues. We'll have guest speakers and we'll get you the inside scoop from the cybersecurity frontline. So please do subscribe. See you next time.